edition women's history month y'all listen it's been too long we've been missing y'all no <laughs> we've been missing y'all where are you walking today i was so nervous Morgan. i was so I nervous was too. i was doing I... breathing i almost passed out i was going <laughs> i was going yeah <laughs> and then i almost passed out like that's not the kind of nerves you want on black history boot camp i'm feeling good though i put my girl check shirt on that made me feel better and I, I actually, actually literally out. started feeling better, Morgan. Sorry. And I promise this season, this will be my last time to interrupt you on God. I'm working on it. But I want to tell you, friends, I literally was feeling nervous as the music. And then I was like, I only got to talk to Morgan for 30 minutes. So you literally can talk to her for 99 minutes straight every minute. This is not a big deal. So I just yeah, love your energy no. and your voice and that I get to do this with you. Oh, thank you. I love yours too, Vanessa. No, no, no. It's exciting. It's exciting. No, I was saying I was at my friend's house and her husband was like, I listened to your boot camp. I was like, oh, really? What episode? He was like, Stevie Wonder. And I was like, was it good? And he was like, had to turn it off. Too much background noise. <laughs> I was like, listen, sir, well, help us. Help us today. I was like, okay, we're going to get the microphones together eventually, but I'm going to go to a quiet place to walk. So I'm actually on a military base in my neighborhood and it's so beautiful because they haven't cut down all the trees. Remember in Avatar, those trees with those really pretty, like, colorful, sparkly things? There's these I really do, pretty actually, trees. I'll yeah. take a picture and put it on my Instagram. There are these really pretty trees that look just like that here. And it's, like, breezy. And there's little chickens running around. Nice. So it's quiet over no, here. I'm in the least Black History Boot Camp place you can imagine right now walking on a golf course. But I say that to say... <laughs> It's now our inheritance. And I've been walking here thinking, this is exactly what I'm going to align myself with for the next 21 days. I am no That's longer nice, aligning actually. with struggle. Leader. I'm no longer yes. aligning with struggle or sadness or pain or any of that stuff. Just opulence and luxury and ease. I'm calling it forth for myself, for you, for every single person who is called in here to talk to us today and walk with us today. Oh, that's wonderful. I accept. So for the new folks who are on the phone, let me just give you a quick little orientation. First of all, for the old people, welcome back, y'all. Welcome back. Hi. It's been too long. 
I hope you've been walking during the off season, taking good care of yourself. And if you haven't, this is your point of turnaround right here. So we are going outside. If you're not outside, put on some sneakers, open your front door, put on a mask, be safe, y'all. Don't fall for the banana in a tailpipe. Let's take a 30-minute walk together and let's talk about our heroes. That's the concept. This is a walking podcast. It's powered by Girl Trek, which is officially... A million black women strong. As of November 18th, 2020, we are a million black women strong. (laughs) Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you're new to Girl Trek, we're the largest health organization for black women. Our mission is to heal our bodies, inspire our daughters, and take back the streets of our neighborhoods. My name is Morgan Dixon. The other voice on the phone is my dear friend of many years, Vanessa Garrison. She's walking somewhere in Florida. I'm walking somewhere in Ghana, West Africa. And we welcome you to our walk. Welcome, everyone. (laughs) And thank you, by the way. Thank you to all of the organizers and the women who have been down since day one and who we didn't get a chance to celebrate on boot camp that when we reached the million because we weren't in season. But so many people who have come to this conversation, Morgan, they've come because they saw us on Apple or Spotify or heard about Oprah on the last episode, and we welcome them. But I also just want to create space for the women who still got those old school 2012 blue superhero blue shirts and superhero socks. And I love this movement. I do. I do too. So let's get into it, Vanessa. The cosmonauts. Why are we the cosmonauts? cosmonauts. Why are we doing this? First, we started with the four mothers. Then we went. That's what I was going to say. Break it down for me too. Yes. Yes. <laughs> then we went to moments of resistance. That one got very angry. We was all very angry. Yes. Then we went with prayer warriors. <laughs> we levitated. We were spiraling. We were yes. praying right before the presidential election. It was essential. Why the cosmonauts yes. now, Vanessa? Because, and this is important, Black women are from the future. We are time travelers. We are space defiers. And we are going to learn from 21 Black women who were literally ahead of their time, the explorers, the women who broke down the barriers, who opened up the doors, who cracked open the whole universe so that we could step into this bold living that we are doing today, this Black renaissance that we're having. As I was going through Cicely Tyson today, Morgan, so that we can be grounded and not take for granted. Even the ways that we show up right now as Black women, so many of our foremothers, our grandmothers, our aunties, our cousins, et cetera, had to live in the margins, had to stay on the edges, had to shrink and couldn't be big. And we're about to tell 21 stories that are so big they couldn't fit on planet Earth. 21 stories that literally went out of this stratosphere, 21 stories to remind us from which we come. When we were doing this, I was thinking, if you're like me and you grew up in the NAACP AXO world, you know the saying, shoot for the moon. Even if you miss, you'll still be among the stars. It's like one of them <laughs> old Black folk things to make sure you don't yes. go to college. But also, I am like, that's you know, it. To make sure you memorize that, Easter, the moon. that Easter speech. <laughs> You could do the long one. They did. And even if you miss, you'll still be among the stars. And that concept, that concept, that mama exhorted herself at every opportunity, Zora Neale Hurston concept, that you do not have to stay with your feet planted on the ground. If your reality is not serving you, then you can design and even create right before your eyes a new existence for yourself. 
I mean, these women and what they went through, but how they came out on the other side triumphant. That's why I started with Grown Woman and Beyonce, by the way, because yeah. like, we are grown women. We can do whatever yes. we want. And this 21 yes. days for me and these stories, you're right, because we were struggling and we were praying. But these stories made me levitate, Morgan. They make me feel yeah. like everything is possible. And I want the women on the phone and the men and everyone who is called in, however you identify, to feel like these stories are also going to make you levitate. Yeah, it's fascinating because we knew who the women were that we wanted to highlight before we knew what the series was going to be called. And we knew that they were women who were from the future. We knew that they were airbenders and time travelers. We were like, people don't call them revolutionary, but they literally defined and defied culture. You know, what I mean? in these powerful ways. I'm super excited. So let's get into it, y'all. Let's get into it. So who you got for us today, V? We're talking about Cicely Tyson. And... There's so much to know about her life. I'm not going to take for granted that anybody knows anything, so I'm going to cover some basic facts. But then I want to get into some deep conversation, Morgan, about some of the choices that she made, how she forgave, how she loved. But before we do that, and because it's day one, I was listening to one of her interviews. And in there, she literally described herself as a dreamer of audacious dreams. She said, I have always been a dreamer of audacious dreams. And I thought, what a perfect way to start day one. When we have 21 days ahead of us now to set intentions, to get clear about what do we want our personal outcomes and victories to be at the end of this? Why are we here? Why did you carve out the time on the middle of this Monday to come here? Make it count. Make your dreams audacious. And I was like, what are our audacious dreams? And I asked myself that, and I'm asking every single person at the start of this walk right now, wherever you are, to think about what is the most audacious dream you could dream for yourself? And set an intention that you will start to move towards that dream. You don't have to get all the way there at the end of the 21 days, but that you will start to move towards that. But first, we have to be able to name what our audacious dreams are. And we, me and you, Morgan, are a power to that testament because 10 years ago, our most audacious dream that we could ever even think of was to get a million black women. And now we are on the other side of that with dreams so big that it's making us shake in our boots. And a million women feels like the foundation, the fundamental, the starting place. But we first had to dream an audacious dream. So I'm like, what is your audacious dream for yourself and something that you want to set an intention for over these next 21 days? I want to think about that. I want everyone walking. And then at the end of this call, we can use hashtag Black History Bootcamp to share our audacious dreams with each other in honor of Cicely Tyson, who said she was an audacious dreamer, so that we can hold each other accountable and hold the energetic space for those things to manifest. Oh, that's so good, because I was thinking, I want to think about that. For 21 days, I'm going to put feet to my prayers, and what's my prayer? That's what you're asking me? Let me think about that. <laughs> Look, I'm going to think about it, too. I'm going to yes, think about it. I'll share tomorrow on tomorrow's episode what I come up with, if I know it by then, but certainly share yours. And use hashtag Black History Boot Camp to tell us. We cannot wait. Also, this season, we want to hear more of your questions and address more of your questions and bring you into the conversation. So if you have questions for us, any questions, any questions, we'll try and address at least one each episode. So I encourage you all to do that and join the conversation. Yeah. And we have some space at the end to add in a few cosmonauts that we haven't thought of. So if you have some ideas of women who we must, must, must cover during this Women's History Month, which is really a history month to highlight Black women. <laughs> girl track. We're going to call this Black Women's History Month. Because we're the leaders and inspirers, <laughs> yeah. and I want our stories to be out in front. I personally sat through 18 years of school where they didn't tell the stories of Black women during Women's History Month. Or I know and celebrate. 
or Black History Month, right? And I know and celebrate yeah. all the stories of, you know, the white writers I love, the artists of this. I was telling somebody, I was like, do you know how many Julia Roberts movies I've sat in? Because Julia Roberts is not a girl. <laughs> and I was like, but on the flip side, I need the Julia Roberts fan club to come sit up in on some Tanah Lathan. I was just like, to share the mic, we share the mic. To share the mic, right. Yes. I mean, given um, everything Black women did in 2020, let's just ask all the allies to dedicate this Women's History Month to Black women. I'm just saying, to a whole see, month of Black you. women's appreciation. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Are you slow clapping on your walk? That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I'm a slow right, so, for the last couple of days. I literally rolled up on this young Black girl. This is the audacious dream that gets us into the Cicely Tyson story. These things are connected. I'm driving on the streets of Miami the other night. It's, you know, a lot of people out. Miami's full of like flashy things. And I pull up on this young black girl. Maybe she was like 24, 25. But when I tell you she was in the most spectacular, bright pink Lamborghini truck, <laughs> rolled up, Come on. her music, just being black and excellent. And I slow clapped on her. <laughs> like I was like, young black girl. I was so happy for her and proud of her that's what i want to see for us so yes i've been slow clapping on a lot of people lately and i'm just proud i'm like align myself well can i just tell you the exact juxtaposition to that is the only thing i know about cicely tyson is miss jane Pittman, which is sad (laughs) and sounder which is even sadder than miss jane Pittman. okay those are the two things i know about cicely tyson and i saw her at the airport one time so I was like going to be embarrassed coming. I mean, I know Cicely Tyson. I revere her from roots and her braid pattern. Oh, and I know some Miles Davis stuff. That's it. I'm here. Well, let me learn. break down the fa- let me break down the fast facts for you then. It's okay. the level set in the conversation. It's, okay. it's funny. I just knew that she was fabulous and elegant. I actually had an opportunity two and a half, three years ago at Power Rising, this amazing gathering of black women put on by literally some of the most Leah Daughtry and a bunch of just literally the most amazing black women. And Cicely Tyson was there and she gave one of the keynote speeches and it was electrifying. And she reprimanded someone there. And and actually, it's funny, I read a story yesterday that Queen Latifah said she did the same thing to her. That's why in the email today, I wrote that she's a woman who will help people adjust their crowns. She said something that literally I told you and now we tell everybody else. And then we have tried to create a new vernacular where we don't say, hey, guys, or let's go, guys, or we don't refer to ourselves as guys. Because Cicely Tyson is like, how are we even in our language giving our power away? Don't do that. There ain't a guy in this room. Don't do that. And she folded us, the whole crowd of power rising people. And then Queen Latifah said she did it on live TV to her. Queen Latifah was like, I was talking. I was already stumbling over my words. She was like, and Cicely Tyson was like, ain't no guys around here. And Queen Latifah said, but I appreciate in that moment that she pulled my coattail. That's how Queen referred to it. She's like, she pulled my coattail yeah. right on national television. And I'm like, man, we yeah. need elders like that to do that for us. No, and she was I a woman who wasn't afraid. Vanessa. I saw her in the Newark airport one time. You know, I don't be scared of nobody. But she was in a wheelchair because she needed help getting to and from the plane. And whoever was assisting her was like very attentive. Let's say that. Cicely Tyson would give that side look out the side of her eye. She'll get that little side look at the lady be like, what you need? What you need? I literally was like, get your game up, Morgan. Get your game. Go over there and tell her that you love her. I was so shook because she has so much power. She, you know, like yeah. Harriet Tubman in that picture where she's sitting in that chair? That's how she yes. was at the airport. It <laughs> is. Like, I'm shook. I'm shook. I loved Jane Pittman, the book, because there was a book before there's a movie. I don't know if you guys know this and why I was reading this at like eight or nine. But for a long time, I Hilarious. didn't even know that Jane Pittman and Harriet Tubman were not necessarily like contemporary. But they held the same space in my mind. Yeah. That's how much yeah. I love Jane Pittman. Yeah. She did the first Harriet Tubman she movie. She sure did. Like ever. Yeah. 
sure yeah, did. she, she sure did. She's done a lot. Yeah, she's done a lot. I'm gonna break it down for people who do not know. Okay. The first thing to note is that her background is from the West Indies. Her family moved from, and I always say this little island wrong, it's St. Kitts and Nevis. So she was from the <laughs> island of Nevis in the Caribbean. Bye. And then her family moved to New York. She was the youngest of three children. And she actually described herself growing up as a super shy child, but always a thinker. Her parents separated when she was small and her mother actually went on welfare. And by nine years old, Cicely Tyson was selling shopping bags on the streets of East Harlem. She made Harlem her home, by the way. I want to asterisk that right here to say she felt she embodied Harlem and that Harlem was a part of her spirit and her soul. And once I connected those dots, it just made her life and story come so much more alive to me. She was a woman who was known to always take her business meetings at Sylvia's Soul Food Restaurant. She was really heavily involved in the dance theater of Harlem. She was actually one of the, I want to say one of the founders, which I literally did not know. Did you know that? Because originally they wanted to get the dancers jobs and they couldn't. So then she was like, we have to start this whole theater. And then she helped them end up starting it, became on the National Advisory Board. So even beyond oh. the, her acting career, yes, she was heavily involved in the arts and especially the arts as it relates to Harlem. When she graduated high school, though, and she was already having an inclination towards the arts, she found work as a secretary. So she was working at the Red Cross. But her looks, which are striking. When I say that she was striking up until 96 years old, I mean, striking when I saw her in person, just flawless skin, just flawless bone structure. So her looks prompted a lot of friends to advise her to take up modeling. But actually, she was literally discovered in 1950, walking down the street by a fashion editor at Ebony Magazine. And they were like, are you yes, a model? Ebony. She's like, yeah, she's like, no, I'm not a model. She ended up appearing she was like, I'm a cover. model citizen. Sorry. Right. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. I need somebody to walk up to me and discover me like that. That's what you need to know. Yeah. I'm not here to be discovered. She actually appeared on the cover of Vogue and Harper's Bazaar. And this is before, which is the first lesson I hope of this conversation for folks. This is before she ever even made her on-screen debut. Cicely Tyson was 31 years old before she made her on-screen debut. And she didn't win a Tony until 2013 for her role in the trip to Bountiful. She was 50 before she actually got like her biggest leading role. I say this to say that she has had a long career. And as a lesson for all of us, it doesn't matter where you are in your audacious dream that you're dreaming. You still have the time for it is one of the things that I really learned from her. Yeah. And then Morgan, one of the things about her being a fashion model is she actually had a fair amount of uncomfortableness with her beauty being the lead of who she was. There was a writer who wrote about her after her passing recently. And he said something that I thought was spot on. He said she passes all of her easy beauty by in order to give us some sense of the profound beauty of millions of black women. And that's it. That was it. She passed up the easy beauty yeah. so that she could embody the profound beauty of Black women yeah. in her hair and yes. her dress and her everything. She could have gone that easy route of just being on Vogue and Harper's Bazaar and conforming to she has a great bone structure. It kind of looks European. But no, she was like, I am a Black woman and I want to show up and embody that. And I literally was like, I can't think of another Black woman who brought to life 
the concept of black is beautiful and who oriented us to our dark brown skin dripping like melanin to our hair being braided and showing up braided on the red carpet and doing it with such flair that people didn't even know what to make of her, which is what she was doing. That alone would make her a cosmonaut, a trailblazer, because black women's beauty in this country and especially 1956 when she appeared on the cover of Vogue. So a dark-skinned Black woman like Cicely Tyson appearing on the cover of Vogue at that time and then deciding she's going to show up in her fabulous Hollywood life in the Black way she did was just so groundbreaking. Yeah. Woo! You know, there's something about seeing yourself and other people when they see the beauty in themselves. Do you understand what I mean? It sometimes gives you the permission, gives you the audacity to believe that you're beautiful too. It's the thing that happened to me when I came here is that People have great posture because a large number of women still carry things on their head here in Ghana. They stand um, akimbo, akimbo. <laughs> yeah, no, their posture is beautiful. And I could see myself in them, but they looked more beautiful than me. <laughs> I know that sounds like low wow. self-esteem. It's not low self-esteem. It's actually a lack of ego, I think. I could see the luminance through their skin. I could just see such a beauty. And then I'd be like, hold on, I think my shoulders look like that. Or hold on, I think my cheekbones look like that. I can imagine all of the little girls who had never seen anybody who looked like Cicely Tyson. And even if their own mothers defied her beauty because it scared them, (laughs) because everything they had been striving towards, she she disrupted in her existence, right? No, it's so true. It is. It's so true. To love her beauty, that it's subversive Mm -hmm. to love her beauty. And I'm just excited to talk about her today. So keep going. I am too. No, and speaking of mothers, Morgan, once Cicely Tyson decided that she really wanted to start to pursue acting, her mother actually, I'll start with saying her and her mother reconciled and she considered her mother to be her greatest inspiration. But at the time, her mother was like, you can't live in my house if you're going to be doing this. For almost two years, I believe she didn't speak to her because Cicely Tyson was like, bet, I got to go. I was like, doing what? the lesson of this conversation. What was she for doing? doing act, for trying to pursue oh. acting. Her mom was like, oh. you want to do what? And she was like, you can't live in my house if you want to pursue acting. And then Cicely Tyson was like, I'm going to do this. I believe in this. And she left. And I started with the fact that they came back together to say they didn't speak for a long time. Her mother was not supportive of her. Cicely Tyson said it really hurt her. And yet imagine if she had just followed her mother's advice. Imagine if she had let the hurt or the disappointment, or whatever mom was sourcing it from, be the ruler of her own life. Imagine that's that. a word and right I there. Was, no, it's a word. It is. When we talk tomorrow, remind me of that, because there's a similar theme, and I want to actually even talk about it again. That's so powerful. It when you can't powerful. get from beneath your mother's own fear, your mother's yes. own fear of loneliness, mother's own fear of unworthiness, mother's own fear of believing safety, that's real. It's real. And if you imagine that her mother and father came from the West Indies in 1924, their fears were really founded. This isn't a rah-rah, let's just do what we want to do, bum our parents, they don't know what they're talking about. But it is an actual, you have to know, and she actually said this about herself. She said, I'm more than blessed. I have a divine calling on my life. Come on. And that's it. If you have a divine calling over your life, my number one relationship is to my maker, not to my mother. Yeah. If I have a divine calling, the way that I honor God the most is to show up in the fullness of that. So for her to understand that was just really, really powerful. It's also telling to me that she comes from the Caribbean. All Caribbean islands are not the same. So somebody correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, we've been to a lot of the islands and I feel like 
the islands are much more little Africa than the United States. We were so proximate to whiteness here that we were in constant comparison. But because many of the islands were largely, certainly majority black, that there is enough space to be able to see a fuller range of beauty. So I can imagine yeah. even just her upbringing in the West Indies gave her a girding. You know what I mean? A confidence. Yeah, I was going to use the word fortitude, but yeah, I like girding. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I absolutely, yeah. I sense that and do see it and know it. One little known yeah. fact about her, Morgan, that people don't know, and this is actually continuing the conversation around what can sometimes be complicated relationships between mothers and daughters, is that Cicely Tyson had a child at 18 years old named Jones. She was married before Miles Davis to a man named Kenneth Franklin. They got married in 1942. And then the very next year, 1943, she gave birth to her daughter, Joan. Joan is not in the spotlight at all. And people throughout Cicely Tyson's entire career were like seeking information on her. And Cicely Tyson later said that Joan felt as a child that she had to share me with the world. And she was like, and it really hurt her. And Cicely Tyson said, and it hurt me that she had to do that because I was her mother and she really did have to share with me with the world. You know, there was a lot that went along with that. But then in her book, which she actually dedicated to her. Yes, yeah. right. For your mother to be Cicely Tyson. She said, No, I, I didn't even now. want to share my mama with the church. <laughs> I was like, I want to call her so again. Why would I want to go to Bible study again? <laughs> Don't be doing, don't be doing Carol Morgan like that. No, I'm saying, it was a saint in the army of the Lord, yeah. And she is, but I'm saying like, you you know what I mean? Like, no, of course, and especially my brothers, they were just like, well, we know where the priority is in this house. And listen, I don't begrudge it because we all doing our best. (laughs) We're doing our best, but I'm saying that was a little bit of even childhood jealousy from the church. I can't imagine, I can't imagine sharing your mommy with the world, you know? Yeah. No, I can't either. So then she wrote, people still are always asking for interviews, this, that, with Joan trying to find her. And she said, I give her now in adulthood what my heart has always longed to bestow, my undivided focus, along with the full measure of her privacy. That she always longed to give her that. But sometimes we long for things that we simply can't do. And sometimes we have callings that people don't understand. And oftentimes people we love sacrifice and hurt because of it. But the healing begins when we name it. And when we say it and when we apologize for it. So I just Sometimes we long for things we simply can't do. Some things we long for things we simply can't do. It's so beautiful, Vanessa, especially for moms. It is. I feel like moms at any given level are doing their level best. Any given moment, they're doing their level best, even if your mom's just terrible. I was going to say rotten, but that was too strong. (laughs) I really feel like that. I don't know. All right. We're no, I feel like it too. Yeah. Everybody, I mean, at this point, I think knows I've had a complicated relationship with my own mom, but separate from her being my mother as a woman, I'm very proud of her. I see her out there killing herself. I see her out there working hard. And I'm like, I can't barely take care of myself and I'm 43. So how could I expect this woman who got pregnant with me at 16, had me at 17 to know how to do what she needed to do? So I extend so much grace and compassion to moms out there who are learning to love themselves while also trying to extend that love to someone else, learning how to navigate in a hospital world while trying to protect the most precious life that you know how. I personally can't imagine it. I'm not a mother. And I always feel like one of the reasons I decided not to be a mother was I already knew my capacity was going to be tapped out. And that me or whatever, that baby was going to be looking at each other like, you got to eat. I got to eat too. And then we all be like, Uber Eats can't feed the both of us. So I mean, I'm just grateful that I knew my capacity. And I, yeah. my heart yeah. are out to moms. Yeah. But Morgan, her career, 
was spectacular, y'all. And I want you to keep in mind that she was discovered by the fashion editor at Ebony Magazine in 1950, appeared on the cover of Vogue and Harper's Bazaar. That was 1956. She then went on to star in Sounder. That wasn't until 1972. Y'all, if you have not watched Sounder, you need excellent. You need to sit down and you need to sink into it and you need to experience it. It is really amazing storytelling. She said she really couldn't pick between Sounder or Miss Jane Pittman in terms of which one of those roles had the most impact on her, but that both of them, she thought, were gifts to the world and gifts to Black people. And she actually said, and she herself was learning as she was doing. I've watched so many interviews about her and I was like, she is a woman who is willing to admit what she does not know. There was an interview with her and Oprah. Oprah was asking her about love. And I'll post this on Instagram. And she was like, I don't know. I think it's this. I think, but for her to not feel like she had the finite answers, even though we're all looking at her as the God and praising her, she was like, I don't know. I'm discovering. And for all of the Black is Beautiful that we're celebrating right now, she even says that the movie roles and the television roles that she played actually helped her come into that and that she was discovering and learning. For Miss Jane Pittman, keep in mind that this was like in the 70s, she went and actually stayed in an old folks home where there were still contemporaries who still could share stories of their families being enslaved and then them fighting through Jim Crow and all this stuff. She actually went and embodied that and lived there for a while so that she could really get the spirit. And she was was like, I'm learning a lot of this stuff. For her to be a lifelong learner is one of the great stories. And she did found her in 1972. She won a Golden Globe for that and she got an Academy Award nomination. And it was only two years later that she won the Actress of the year. No, who won that Grammy? That's what I want to know. I want a reparational Grammy for that in the color purple. (laughs) But let's add, I was just talking about this at breakfast, Morgan. No, one hour ago, I was just talking about this at breakfast saying that Eddie Murphy got robbed of Dolomite. And if somebody don't circle back around and give that man, so we have a long list. No, he's genius. He's genius, but we're not going to put him in the same category as Miss Jane Pittman, no. (laughs) We're not going to do that. No, Lamar, they can't live in the same. Okay, fine. Okay. They can't live in the same. Yeah, but I'm saying, for real, we need Reparational Academy Awards for a couple of things. I was looking at some Color Purple stuff, and I was like, what do you mean the Color Purple didn't win? Precisely. Precisely. Now, I will say the Academy... The Academy is probably going to email us right after this to say that they did Good. circle back and give her okay. an honorary award. I don't know what year she got the honorary award, but she got one of those okay. kind of lifetime honorary. We know we snubbed you and now you can get this thing, which really don't okay. matter because you should have gave me it while I was on the field. But she did get one. Right. right. But she had what was, I think, one of the most amazing streaks of storytelling, if you consider that she did Sounder in 1972, then she did Miss Jane Pittman in 1974, and then was my favorite role. She came through in my birth year, 1977, to portray Benta, the mother of Kunta Kinte. Yes. And you know, she's a bit of an ethnographer because I heard Maya Angelou talking about her and how meticulous she was with the aesthetics of her look for that role and how she really wanted to portray the dignity, the culture, the intricacy of a Black woman in the bush at that time. And all of the sophistication that she brought to that role was from research. So even going yeah. back to being a constant learner, like that's powerful. You know, she and my Did you know she lived in Africa for a year? I know. And my no. played her mom. There's yes. so much, y'all. We can't cover it all in this conversation. <laughs> but yeah, she lived in Africa from 1985 to 1986. First, she was making a film, and then she actually became the chairperson of the United Nations Children's Fund. She helped start the dance theater in Harlem. 
She was the chairperson for the wow. United Nations Children's Fund. She started Miss wow. Shane Pittman. She played Benta in Kuchikente. And throughout all of this, one of the biggest takeaways around how her life became transformative and how she became more than a Hollywood actress is for every role we're talking about that we love her in, she said that there were so many roles that she just thought were so degrading, were so non-representative of Black women, just not who she knew yeah. us to be, that could have advanced her career that she decided that she was going to turn down. And she yes. became known in Hollywood as that woman who was saying, no, we're not about to do this. I'm not about to tell this story. I'm not about to show up like this. And that level of activism within the Hollywood and storytelling space is so important when you think about at a time No, that's the second were, lesson of Black Cosmonauts. It is. The well, first lesson of Black Cosmonauts is move out your mama's house. <laughs> the right. second one is to make a move when you have a calling over your life, seriously. The second one is to yeah. know when to say no. Come on now. Morgan, did you know that her best friend was Roxy Rocker from the Jeffersons and that she's the godmother of Lenny Kravitz? No, but that's perfect. I know. No, it right? that's perfect, and I bet they were oh, so can't fly you see walking her down the street. And yes. That's what I was about to say. I'm just saying, on a Saturday when they was going wherever they was going, I want to they see the outfit so and the cocoa yes. butter skin. I want to see it all. I really, really do. Before we wrap up on this season of Black History Bootcamp, we are really being mindful to try to keep our walks within a time frame that everyone can enjoy them. But also, y'all ain't like, we ran a marathon. Although we have a lot to say. <laughs> so I want to wrap this up soon, but it would be remiss. We cannot wrap this up without actually talking about beyond her acting career and all of the accolades that we just talked about, beyond the activism that we just talked about, there is a story of Cicely Tyson, the Black woman who loved a man named Miles Davis. It got to be later in her life where people got smart enough to say, we're not even going to ask you about Miles Davis because we know you don't like to really talk about it, etc. But for those who do not know, Cicely Tyson in 1981 married legendary jazz musician at Bill Cosby's home, by the way, Miles Davis. They married in 1981. They had a tumultuous and violent and abusive relationship. That's my language. I'm saying that that's my language to say in every interview that I read about Cicely Tyson talking about Miles Davis, who had a on the record, extraordinarily strong addiction problem, was battling heroin, et cetera. She spoke about him mainly with such compassion and kindness and forgiveness. And yet, I literally read two interviews from Miles Davis where he said, I slapped her ass in the face. And he said it with almost no regret. He actually tells a story of how Cicely Tyson ran into this woman who she thought he was sleeping with. And he was like, Cicely Tyson, beat her up on the street. And I'm like, I'm not judging Cicely Tyson. And then he said one time after at a B.B. King concert, that Cicely Tyson snatched his weave out of his head. Now, <laughs> sorry for that. I'm only giving you this detail to say Cicely Tyson did not break down no details about Miles Davis. She wasn't like, this is what this man was doing to me. She spoke about she it in such him. an elevated. Yeah. She held him. Yeah, and he said in the interview talking about, I slapped her ass in the mouth and she knew not to do that again. That's an actual quote from him. And I just was like, where do we as women get the capacity that we do to love and forgive at the level that we do? Because. I was angry on her behalf and I wanted her to trash him and I wanted her to be like this, 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 and this, but she just didn't. And she just maintained a level of grace that I'm just really impressed with. And also, which is a lesson for us all though, she has admitted and acknowledged that some of the roles 
that she ended up passing by and turning down at the height of her career. So I want to break the timeline down again. She had just did Miss Jane Pittman and just did Ruth and just did Sounder. And then three years later, she marries Miles Davis. And this needy man is like, don't go do this movie project. Don't go do that. I need you here. Turn this down. And she really did do that to great sacrifice for herself. There was even one role she says that actually someone went on to win an Oscar for. The sacrifices we make for people in our lives when we shouldn't be. And for me, this is a clear example that if you are out there in any sort of circumstance where somebody is trying to tell you to choose them over your own best interest and needs, that circumstance just does not serve you and is not good. Real love does not show up like that. It doesn't show up like that. No, real love doesn't require you to diminish yourself. It actually emboldens you, grows you, expands you. It doesn't reduce you. It doesn't reduce you. About forgiveness, she said, somebody asked her about this, and she said, well, isn't that what we're supposed to do? Forgive each other. We don't keep riding a rough truck over a sensitive soul. You can't do that. If people are looking for help and look at you and you see them and you know they need the help and you can help them, you try. At least I can and try. And she said she could only speak for herself. I do understand what she's saying about you don't ride a rough truck over a sensitive soul in so much that Miles Davis was really an addict. That's what I was going to say is that what's so striking about all of this is that she was a healer, too. You understand what I mean? So she was not only just a complete and full woman not only just defyingly beautiful and kind of charting new terrain with her beauty and her confidence mostly, talented actor, but she was also a healer. And so when I watched Miles Davis's documentary, the one on Netflix, I was so sad, Vanessa. His addiction went for a long time. And when he was at his lowest is when he would come back to Cicely Tyson and every single time she would heal him. And as soon as he was healed, he would go back out and he would get another woman. And the woman didn't look like her. (laughs) And he would parade her around very publicly. And then when he bottomed out, he would come very privately and get healed by Cicely Tyson. And I was just like, you're not going to treat her like that. (laughs) I mean, you're not going to treat her like that. Can I tell you a shitty thing he said in an interview? He was like, I had to cheat on her because I no longer looked at her as sexual because she was always helping me. It was just like this conundrum of shitty stuff to say, excuse my language, y'all, but we're talking some real stuff where I was just like, ain't this a goddamn... He was like, yeah, I had to cheat on her because I didn't feel about her like that because she was always holding me down. I don't even know that so, there, but there is a black <laughs> <in> there. <laughs> there is oh, here it is. Here it is. No, this is the lesson, actually. And this is, as we get ready to transition to the end, somebody asked her, well, how do you feel about that and all of the things that you had to sacrifice and all of the things that you lost out on? And she said this, let me tell you something. And when a black woman says, let me tell you something, they're going to tell you something. Right. She says, right. let me tell you something. And this might be the whole lesson for all of us for the whole day and the whole 21 days. She said, what is for you in this life you'll get and what is not for you, you'll never get. And that's that. What is for you is for you. And what is not for you is not for you. And so she says she never even spent time ruminating over what was lost or what was this because she was too busy getting what was hers to worry about what wasn't hers to get in the first place. Because if it had been hers, she would have gotten it. And she was busy showing up as herself. Being the person that she wanted to be, bringing the kind of love and kindness and healing into the world, being exactly who she wanted to be and how people respond to that is between them and God. Yeah. And she actually said about God, Morgan, she said, when you ask God for strength, as I do daily, he doesn't usually just drop it from the sky. She said he answers by placing you in circumstances that require you to build fortitude while relying solely on him. And those circumstances. 
Me neither. I'll be like, God, I'm I'll be like, a lion yes, with a spirit of ease, God, and a good man right. who don't want to slap me in the face. There's a mess out here. Oh. If there's anybody right now who's taking a walk outside and feeling anxious that you need to get back home because somebody's waiting for you, because there's violence, because there's pressure, because there's just anything that doesn't serve you and you need to just talk to somebody about it, you can talk to us. We have women who are waiting, who are kind, who are trained at 855 Girl Trek. Anything that came up, mama stuff beauty stuff, relationship stuff, violent stuff. You can talk to anybody there. 855-GIRL-TREK. And it's Girl Trek without the I, without the letter I, because there's no I in team. So 855-GIRL-TREK. And someone will answer. And that's a good place for us to end, Morgan, with offering and help and connecting with our sisters. This, for me, has been an amazing start to my week. Literally an amazing start to this month. I'm going to be thinking personally about what my audacious dreams are. I promise to share them today at some point using hashtag Black History Bootcamp. Please share what your audacious dreams are going to be inspired by the life of Cicely Tyson so that we can put that energy out there and get what is for us. And as we explore kind of space travelers and explorers of culture, of time, of the very essence of God, these powerful women, we want you to start to explore new things in your life. They can be hard things and they can be easy things. And today I got an easy one for you. I want y'all to all explore a new braid pattern in honor of Miss Cicely Tyson. I want you to be bold with your braid pattern. I got me a new one that looks just like Thelma. Somebody was like, you look just like Thelma on good time. And it looks cute. No, you look so to... pretty in that picture, man. Oh, I just, oh, thank you. You're coming alive. For the record, your beauty has always been evident. It's your inner healing and glow that is showing through beyond the braid My pattern. My confidence. Yeah, thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. Because it's going to need to come because I'm about to give me some braid bangs. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> My confidence is going to need to be here. Listen, you can't talk me out of it. But I want y'all to start to... I ain't talking you out uh, of it. That's beauty. sound bomb. Yeah. That's sound bomb. That's okay? what I'm saying. I want us all to explore a different pathway to our beauty, whether it's a braid pattern, a curl pattern, or something, or something, or something. A different lipstick, something easy. Be bold with your beauty in honor of yes. the one and only Cicely Tyson. And we will see you all tomorrow. We're going to end with a walking meditation. This is actually Cece Winans, Blessed Assurance. She sang this song in honor of Cicely. So we're going to end on that so that you can process everything that we've talked about today, so that you can have some spatial, spiritual time to think about your audacious dream and so that you can wrap up with your own intentions. We love you and appreciate you and can't wait to see you tomorrow. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Air of salvation, purchased of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story. This is
Raising my soul. 